Welcome. You're listening to Conversations, a Park Church podcast, and the production of Park First Congregational United Church of Christ in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Park Church is a community where everyone is welcome, where the diversity of God's creation is celebrated. Join us each week in conversation as we grow closer to God, to each other, and to our Christian faith. I first saw the movie Gone with the Wind when I was no older than four or five. Seriously. My grandmother had a VHS copy, one of those now-dated two-cassette-tape deals in a big package. The art on the cassette cover was embossed with that famous image of Rhett Butler holding Scarlett O'Hara, superimposed to top scenes from the movie below. The movie, like that alluring cover art, always intrigued me, and even as young as four or five, I sat through the entire thing, including the terrifying sequence following the aftermath of General Sherman's deadly march through Atlanta, something I was too young to understand rationally, but was deeply horrified by given the effectiveness of that particular segment of the movie. I was probably too young to have been watching something so loaded with messy questions of race and equality, war and conflicted romance, but Gone with the Wind was a cultural staple in my family. Southern author Pat Conroy said once that, apart from a family Bible, which often went unread, the most important book in his family's life had been Gone with the Wind, his mother's favorite. I can relate to his sentiment. There were few fictional stories that held the weight and importance of Gone with the Wind, few fictional worlds that so dominated my imagination as a southern child, the antebellum South. By fifth grade, I had a weighty copy of the book through which I tore, a a library copy that was quickly replaced by my grandfather with a paperback of my very own, one which bore the same iconic movie art as the VHS copy of the film I had worn down through repeated viewings. But like most people, I suppose, as I got older, I began to question many of the things around me. And the fascination with the Confederate South, so common where I come from, was one of those things that never quite sat well with me. Even if somewhere not so deep down, I still have a bit of a crush on Scarlett O'Hara, or at least on Vivian Lee's stunning portrayal of her. It's a question of heritage, really. For instance, though I'm often at a loss to remember what I ate for breakfast— I can tell you that my family lore places Brigadier General William T. Wofford, a family ancestor, serving under Robert E. Lee at the Battle of Gettysburg. Day 2, to be exact, July 2nd, Wofford shows up on the rear of Lee's advanced guard, unable to turn the tide after Chamberlain's maneuver off Little Round Top. I know stories like I know the lines on my hands, or the location of freckles on my arms. They're a part of me, a part of where I came from. I couldn't erase the past even if I tried. Lately, there's been a lot of talk about cultural erasure. Just days ago, violence broke out in Charlottesville, Virginia, after plans to remove a historic statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee went underway. Using the removal of Lee's statue as a rallying cry to defend what they claim was a white genocide, a motley band of far-right extremists, white supremacists, confused teenagers, and alt-right trolls marched down the streets waving a combination of Nazi and Confederate flags. Met with opposition from activists on the political left, including Black Lives Matter and a number of Jewish organizations, as well as concerned citizens of no particular affiliation, protests turned to fistfights and even what some are calling domestic terror, in which a young woman advocating for racial equality was struck and killed by a car. There are many possible reactions to this story. One is disgust and anger, both of which are valid emotions when dealing with heinous violence and unrest. 
Another is avoidance, a desperate attempt to hide from the conflict in whatever way is deemed most effective. Many seek to be as neutral as possible. In all this talk about white skin, black skin, Jewish culture, and so on, all this talk of racial and cultural identities, of divisions and lines and borders, there's a temptation to fall back on the old I-don't-see-color chestnut. And it's especially tempting because for many of us, we are aware of an internal, conscientious effort on our parts to avoid racial or cultural prejudices. But like all human beings, we do jump to conclusions, we stereotype, we sometimes do things, big or small, that can create tension and a sense of judgment from others who we actually have no direct intention of offending. People we love or respect or admire, or all three. The other thing, too, is recognizing the value of a person's heritage. At the end of the day, there's a certain feeling that people want to be connected to something. My family history is loaded with dodgy figures, but there's a power in remembering their stories, even if I'm simply learning what not to do, how not to behave. But for others, including many at the protests in Charlottesville, these symbols of a southern past have less to do with remembering anyone's roots, and much more to do with incendiary statements, with intimidation, with deep-seated hatred. How many of these Nazi flag-waving white supremacist marchers, for instance, were aware that the Thomas Jefferson statue, which served as a location for many of their rallying cries, had actually been carved by a Jewish soldier? and that that soldier was a confederate. Would these groups be able or willing to acknowledge the messy complexities and American history of race, culture, and ancestry? I doubt it, as evidenced by all the tragedies they perpetuated this week. All this reminds me of a scripture by St. Paul, who writes in Galatians 3.28, There is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some might read a scripture like that and assume that what St. Paul's doing is advocating for the very kind of cultural erasure I was just talking about, an erasure that stamps out all of life's messy complexities and categories and renders everything in dull shades of black and white. But that's not what St. Paul is after, at least I don't think so. Rather than envisioning a community where all look and act the same, St. Paul is expressing the fundamental equality of all people within their own distinctiveness. While cultural and racial and social categories can be useful means of expressing or finding identity, St. Paul urges the reader not to get lost in the weeds of all those boxes and labels. Because if and when we do get lost, when all we see is the type of person someone is, we fail to see the person they actually are. Look, I went back and forth on how to give space to the crisis in Charlottesville. The truth is, I have no idea what happens next. I know that free women and men will continue to fight for their freedom, for their right to be heard, for their right to be equals, without the petty, hateful, petulant intimidations of so-called Nazis and Confederates. And I know that the church will have a necessary and sacred role to play in this process. But I also know, or at least I hope I understand, that space must be made to hear and respond to the actual folks who are the most targeted by this sort of hatred. Their wisdom can be a source of great strength in the fight against something that's truly, truly evil. And the best part of this is, all of this can happen without any of us throwing ourselves on the altar of public opinion, making ourselves sacrifices. My heritage as a Southerner may be messy and complex, sure, but it's also led me where I am today. Out of that complicated milieu, 
My life and journey was birthed, and I'm grateful for that. I may not get misty-eyed when I think about the Old South of Gone with the Wind anymore, but the same fighter spirit that Scarlett O'Hara exhibited, the spirit that appealed to me as a child, is something that does stick with me. However, it is, I hope, in the service of something much better, much purer, a world where all are free. Our prayer for you this week at Park is that if you're feeling the tension and pain of this disjointed and fractured time, you can connect with those things which help you feel most grounded. If you're unsure of how to respond to all the news around you, that's okay, you're not alone. We pray you find the moral courage to do what your convictions tell you is best, and that you always know the love and acceptance that can be found in our community. You are an equal, and you are always welcome. Amen. This has been Conversations, a Park Church podcast. Tune in each week for brief, meaningful study that brings us closer to God, to each other, and to our Christian faith. Join Park Church for worship on Sunday mornings in downtown Grand Rapids at 10.30 a.m. and for adult study throughout the year as announced. Blessings to you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.